Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. Good morning, church. It's good to be together in the house of God, and I just want to welcome those of you who are our guests, especially this morning. Uh, We are in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is right near the middle of Scripture, if you have your Bibles with you, Uh, and we also have uh, ways that we can connect through technology, but there will be slides on the screen to walk through Scripture together in just a little bit. But I just want to encourage each and every one of you who are here, It's it's a new year, and uh, there are new commitments that many of us are making to uh, live the abundant life that God has called us to. I want to let you know this morning that uh, you're being prayed for throughout this service. We have this room in the back uh, that is our invitation to you throughout the morning. And so if in any way you want to respond uh, to the good news of Jesus this morning, or you want prayer for anything in your life, they will be lifting you up uh, anonymously this morning through the room. But also if you have specific requests you'd like prayed for, feel free to go back at any point this morning. But as I said, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, three weeks to start the year. Uh, As we're starting a fresh start, why not talk about despair, right? Meaninglessness. That's what the teacher talks about in this book. But I promise you there's good news here. And this is an extremely relevant book for our culture as we find it today. You see, Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books in the Bible. Bible has different genres, right? You have history and you have poetry and you have the gospels and letters. This is part of the wisdom literature. And there are three main books that are part of the wisdom literature in the Bible. Uh, it's uh, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. Now, Proverbs is a book that has 31 chapters with all these verses of this wisdom that's given. And it's much more conventional in its wisdom, right? If you do this, you can expect this. If you live a righteous life, you can expect things to go well for you. If you live a life that's uh, full of evil or things that are not what God calls us to, there are consequences that are natural in our world. So that's conventional wisdom. Ecclesiastes is doing something a little bit different. In some ways, it's a counter to the wisdom of Proverbs. It's trying to say, look, Uh, Some of you have lived life and you've tried to do the right thing and it hasn't worked out for you. Life's been a challenge. And even though you've tried to be righteous, it seems like the wicked are those who succeed and prosper. So the book of Ecclesiastes was written from someone who tried to do things right. He was one of the wisest people uh, in the entire world of his time, the teacher in this book. And so this wisdom, I think, may be important for some of us this morning that may feel like life hasn't worked out as we had hoped. And we're wanting a new year to be different. There's wisdom in this book for that. So as we get started this morning, uh, I want to ask you a question. Last week, the question I asked at the beginning of the year is, what is a meaningful life? Was it for you that if you were to look back on your life, on all the decades and the years, you would say, I lived a meaningful life? This morning, the question's a little different. What is a successful life to you? How do you measure success when it comes to your days? Uh, We're going to talk about that question this morning because this book begs us to look at how we're organizing and looking at our life. And so uh, 
often we might give answers about what a successful life is. We have our public answers for those kinds of things. But you know how you can uh, see how someone sees success? It's by how they shape their calendar and how their money is spent. So many ways those things are indicators for what we really believe about success. But Ecclesiastes has some challenge to the ways that many of us find ourselves falling into those habits. And I want to share that with you in just a moment. Let's pray, though, that God would uh, give his word to us this morning in the way we need it uh, as individuals this morning and as a body. God, we thank you for your presence here and for the way that you continue to speak through these ancient words and you continue to make them as relevant as ever. We are in in a time and a day where we need wisdom. There's all kinds of information out there, God, at our fingertips. But just because we have information does not mean that we have wisdom. There's a difference. And so, God, I pray that you would make us a wise people who would know what the meaning of life is, the road to meaning, and that we would direct our gaze towards Scripture to see what it is you teach. Thank you for this book and what it's done to the generations to make uh, your people wise. And I pray again today that you would do that. In in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you've seen this ladder uh, behind me on the stage, and we'll see if I climb it or not. My daughter was asking why that's up there, and we'll just leave that to chance a little bit later. But this is an image, this ladder, of how we often think about success in our world. You've heard it talked about this way, right? That uh, we're climbing a ladder to success. We all climb different ladders, depending on the success that we're pursuing. Last week I mentioned a couple of times a couple of uh, authors that talk about uh, two halves of life that all of us uh, live through, if we're able to live old enough for the days that God has ordained with us to get to that second half. And the first half of life is really this ladder climb to identity, to purpose, to success. Bob Buford is one of those authors who wrote Halftime that talks about the first half of life is a track to success, and then the second half of life, if we're doing it well, is moving toward what is significant, what makes us significant in our lives. Richard Rohr is another author that's been helpful to me that talks about these two halves of life. And so many of us uh, are, can think back on our lives, or right now we may feel like we're on a ladder climb. We're climbing the ladder to some sort of success. And I believe that Ecclesiastes is written from a a wise person who is writing from the second half of life, reflecting back on their life and all of those ladder climbs that they made in the first half and seeing that so much of it was really meaningless in retrospect. There's two voices in the book of Ecclesiastes that we hear from. One of those is the author, and the author speaks in verse 1 by introducing the teacher, and then was going to come back in the last six or seven verses of Ecclesiastes to summarize and make a point at the end. And so we're going to come back for good news that the author is going to give us next week in reflection. But the rest of the book is the teacher that's been introduced to us, the king of Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it's King David's son is the way the author introduces us to this. And so the teacher has traditionally been thought to be King Solomon, the son of King David and the king of Israel. So as I read Ecclesiastes 2 in just a moment, feel free to turn there if you would or uh, go there on your screens. I'd, I'd like for you to imagine these words coming from the mouth of Solomon as he reflects back on the first half of his life. And I want you to listen to how he describes the latter climb he was on. Now, if you have your YouVersion uh, app on your phone, feel free to download that if you don't have it. This week was really great. We actually did some devotionals on there and read Scripture together with many that were on that page. So if you go to YouVersion and you click the More tab on the bottom right of that, 
you can click on events, and right now, actually, the top of that list should be Greenville Oaks. It goes by location if you have that turned on. And so uh, feel free to search there. You can follow along with our slides, and uh, later this week, you can sign up for our devotionals. And it was great to see the interaction of people in our church. So if you were on there, you were reading through that and commenting, thank you. It was a blessing to get to do that with you this week. But I want to pick up there in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Imagine Solomon climbing that ladder and describing the climb. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Did you catch the rungs on the ladder that Solomon's talking about? I amassed all this wealth. I had this kind of pleasure. I, I pursued all of these things. In the end, the matter, he says, look, it was meaningless, all of it, really. Again, the Hebrew word that's translated here as meaningless is the word havel. And havel can be translated several ways. Last week I had a spray bottle on stage with me and I sprayed because it can mean vapor or mist. And so you can think about all the things we try to pursue that in the end what the writer of Ecclesiastes, the, the teacher actually is teaching us is that in the end you can try to grab onto those things, all of that vapor and mist, but it's meaningless. It's, it's hard to cling on to. It doesn't hold. It's like a chasing after the wind. So as you try to gain success and satisfaction, as you climb the ladder, uh, the teacher has some things to teach us. He says, look, I acquired great wisdom, and it was meaningless. I did all this work and toil. It was meaningless in the end. I pursued pleasures of life and found them meaningless. I accumulated wealth and found it meaningless. Everything is meaningless. How many of you can ever relate to this teacher? Think about maybe that ladder of your own life of what you climbed up and the rungs that you're trying to get to to get to the top to finally have meaning. Have you ever been to that place you thought, you know, this is, am I ever going to get there? Is this going to really end up in anything useful? Is this going to have any meaning? What is it that makes for a meaningful life? What is it for you that makes for a successful life? I, I think this ladder climb and what the teacher is teaching us is why we, we're seeing suicide rates uh, spike in our country right now in the midst of the greatest wealth we've ever seen in any country, in the midst of uh, security, in the midst of technology, in the midst of invention. All of these things are increasing, and yet what are we finding on the other side? So many people are saying it, it doesn't bring any meaning. What is the purpose of life? It's one of the primary issues in our culture, and this book, this ancient book, has something to offer us about that. So there are two problems that I want to talk about when it comes to the ladder climb in our lives. One is despair, and the other problem is melancholy, okay? And I want to talk about those two things. Here's how I want to define despair for you this morning. Despair is the sadness that comes with the failure of not getting what you want. Despair is climbing the ladder, but not ever quite actually being able to reach the top of the ladder. 
And you, you know this feeling, some of you, right? You have worked in a career, some of you, all of your life to try to get to this peak place. You, you stayed up and you did all the projects. You did everything the boss could have asked. And at the end, what happened? He hired his friend to make sure he was the boss, right? Or, or she, 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 she hired her, her, her daughter to make sure and come in and take the place that you should have gotten, right? You can climb and climb and climb, but aren't there so many barriers on the way to pursuing these things that we want? Or maybe relationships, right? You had this promise that you were told from early on that if you'll do things the right way, if you'll wait till marriage, then you'll have this incredible marriage and have all this pleasure that comes along with it with your, your life. And, and then you come and you make that decision and you realize that all these promises that were made weren't necessarily fulfilled. Life is a lot harder than that, and it's not so simple. Or think about wealth, right? You worked hard. You saved for retirement. And then you gave those investments to somebody who, who, who used them in some improper way, and you lost it all. Or maybe you were waiting for retirement. That was the top rung of the ladder, and you were waiting, and you saved everything up, ready to finally enjoy life. And then what happens, right? Maybe you received a diagnosis, or your spouse ended up getting sick and you couldn't enjoy all that you'd saved up to do. Or perhaps you're finding new rungs on the ladder because you've bought into that if-then principle. Well, maybe if it's not this, then it can finally be that. And so you keep climbing thinking, if I can just get to the top, I can see it, then finally I'll be fulfilled in the ways I had hoped. How many of you remember a story back from Greek mythology of uh, uh, somebody named Sisyphus? Do you remember the story, anyone? So Sisyphus is this character who's not a god, he's this trickster in this Greek myth world. And he starts tricking the gods, but finally he gets found out and there's this punishment that the gods give to Sisyphus. And what he has to do is every day he has to roll a boulder all by himself, roll it all the way up this giant hill. So he gets it to the top and every day what happens is it ends up falling back down. And the next day, that's his eternal punishment. It's again and again rolling this boulder up the hill, it falls down. Imagine, doesn't that sound like the despair that some of us feel? So I get everything I can accomplish today, but I can never get the movement that I hope to get in my life. That's the definition of despair. Climbing the ladder only never to reach the top. And so despair is the sadness that comes and the failure to achieve that top rung, to achieve the thing we think will give us what we want from life. And most midlife crises really boil down to this kind of thing is we're climbing a ladder thinking that we're going to get to the top, and then we realize this isn't working. And so what do we do? We, we grab for another ladder and put it up against a different wall trying to think maybe this is it. And so we buy the new car or we find the new relationship. We're starting over the process from the bottom rung thinking maybe I just missed and had the wrong ladder. And to some degree, Solomon understands this kind of despair. He achieved a lot of success, but listen to what he says in, in chapter 9, verse 11. Even he understood this idea of despair. He says, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. He's saying, even if you're naturally talented, even if you're the best and you're the one who deserves it, even if you do all of it, it doesn't mean it's going to be fair. It doesn't mean you, you're going to deserve this or it's going to happen. Time and chance happens to everyone. Many of us understand this despair all too well. But others of us, it may be more like melancholy. And here's how I want to talk about melancholy. If despair is the sadness that comes with the failure of not getting what you want, melancholy is the sadness that comes with the success of getting what you want. Now this one's a little less intuitive. Melancholy is the sadness of getting what you want and realizing 
it's not all that good. It's not worth it, which can be more frustrating than thinking that maybe it's up there still at the top. And, and this problem is a bit less obvious to us because many of us would love to have the problem of melancholy, right? Just give me everything I want and let me experience that sadness, that despair, that melancholy, right? Tevier says it well in Fiddler on the Roof. You remember this conversation? When Perchik says to Tevier, he says, money is the world's curse. Tevier's quick response is, may the Lord smite me with it and may I never recover. Some of you are thinking the same thing, right? Like, just give me melancholy, God. Let me experience the top and I'll, I'll deal with the sadness that comes on the back end. See, most of us believe the lie that if we get to the top of the ladder, it'll all be better. We'll be satisfied, we'll find meaning, we'll find success. And yet the teacher of Ecclesiastes has a word of warning for that kind of belief. And many others throughout history have given us similar warnings, if you think back. Sometimes the worst thing you can get is exactly what you want. There's something about arrival that makes us miserable. A few years ago, I had the chance to listen to uh, Donald Miller uh, give, a, uh, give a talk. Donald Miller wrote the book, Blue Like Jazz. Uh, it's been quite a few years ago now, but the best, New York Times best-selling book. And he was talking about, uh, he'd set these goals for himself when he was in high school. The first goal was he didn't want to be married by the age of 35. The second goal was he wanted to make X amount of dollars. And the third goal was that he wanted to write a New York Times best-selling book. And he writes uh, after, he, he tells the story of waking up the morning after the New York Times bestseller hits that, uh, that list. And he wakes up and he realizes that he's in depression. Because the, 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 the chart of the path he had for his life, the ladder he wanted to climb, he had achieved it. He had gotten to the top and what he found on the other side was exactly what Ecclesiastes is teaching. It's melancholy. He didn't know what to do next. He realized he didn't have a script for what came after this. Sometimes there's a sadness with getting what you want. You know, the quarterback with the most Super Bowl victories, who's not going to add to it this year, thankfully uh, to God, is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's won six Super Bowl uh, trophies as the quarterback of the New England Patriots. There was a 60 Minutes interview that happened that some of you may have seen uh, after his third Super Bowl victory. He was 27 years old at the time. And I want you to listen to this interview and what he says in response to the one who's interviewing. He says, why, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. I mean, I'm, I've done it. I'm 27 and what else is there for me? And the interviewer says, well, what's the answer? And he says, I, I wish I knew. I, I wish I knew. I mean, that's part of me trying to go out there and experience other things. I, I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for the team, but at the same time, I think there's a, lo a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. I know that what ultimately ha makes me happy are, are family and friends and positive relationships with great people. I think I get more out of that than anything. And here he is, still trying to get number seven, saying he's going to come back next year, right? Because there's this longing. Even for those who found success, two times what he's, the success he had at that time. Now six Super Bowls, but there's something more that's missing. And centuries ago in the Bible, there was a book of a guy named Solomon who said similar things. So let me read it again in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. You can hear almost Tom Brady in these words, can't you? Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained 
under the sun. Climbing the ladder is risky business. There's this risk that you can climb to the top of the ladder and be one rung short and not know what's on the other side, not know the fulfillment that you thought would be there. And so you despair thinking, maybe, maybe I need to try a new ladder or maybe I just need to keep climbing and try harder. Or find it. There's that kind of despair, but there's this other risk that you climb to the top of the ladder and you make it only to discover it didn't fulfill like you'd hoped. Thomas Merton, the great activist, writer, and monk put it this way. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Stephen Covey said a similar thing, actually, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. You can be successful and be further away from meaning. You can climb to the top as fast as you want, but if it's against the wrong wall, you won't know it until you get to the top. And man, the feeling at that point is that melancholy I'm describing. See, the wisdom of the Scriptures has been attested to again and again. The ladder you choose to climb matters. It is a waste of a precious life that God has given you to pursue a life that ultimately doesn't satisfy. 19th century preacher D.L. Moody puts it this way. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. So I want to ask you that all-important question this morning. When you think about the ladder you're climbing right now, what is the wall that your ladder is leaning against? Whatever that pursuit is, whatever those rungs that are ahead that you're working so hard on right now, what is that ladder propped up against? Do you know what's on the other side? We're all pursuing something. Some of us haven't completed our pursuit. We haven't achieved it, and we're despairing at that. Others of us are at the top of the ladder, and we're realizing, man, this is what I pursued, and it's just not worth what I thought it was. Where you choose to place your ladder matters. So one response to despair and melancholy is what I described earlier, right? Just take your ladder and put it against another wall. It's to start over again. But despair and melancholy will have a lesson to teach you if you'll sit with them for a moment and you'll listen to the real message that they offer, which is there's not another wall to climb. All these walls that you can set your ladder against, either you're going to find despair because you can't get to the top and look over, or you're going to get to the top and you're going to realize it's not all it cracked up to be. And so despair and melancholy, those feelings that can sometimes feel as if they're this feeling in your gut of, is there any hope? Can things get better? Why is my life looking this way? If you'll open them and see them in the right way, these things are actually gifts for you. Because there's this feeling of the hole in your heart that cannot be filled by so many of the ways we try to fill them. It can only be filled by God and by God's purpose for your life through the Holy Spirit who works in and through you. Despair and melancholy, they strip away those artificial things that we pursue to help set us on the path. And so the quicker you can get to despair and melancholy, the better. The faster you can get to success, let me tell you, go rush after it. Because the quicker you can get to the top and realize this isn't it, the better you'll be. These things called despair and melancholy, they actually are an invitation to the abundant life that God has offered to us. 
And that's what Jesus has to offer. I want you to turn, if you would, to the Gospel of John for just a moment. We're going to step into the New Testament as I close this morning. John 10, verse 10 is a passage we're going to be spending time with in the, in the weeks ahead. Uh, and it's a promise from Jesus about uh, these ladders that we climb that the evil one points us toward. John 10, verse 10, listen to this. These are the words of Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What is Jesus saying? You see, there is a thief out there. There is an evil one whose desire is that you would climb ladders and find despair and melancholy on on the other side. The teacher is trying to say the very same thing. Look, there are ways of life, there are pursuits you can look after and, and give all of your life to that in the end, they'll steal from you. They'll kill you. It'll destroy you. But Jesus says, look, I have come into the world so that you may have life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. In the uh, chair in front of you, other than those who are on the front row, there should be a a card. You can reach behind you if you're on the front row there. But there's a card uh, that I'd like to direct your attention to. It says that coaching the next step on it, the Greenville Oaks vision. And it talks about vision groups on there. There's just three simple blanks and a couple of check marks I'd like to uh, point your attention to. If you're watching online, there's also, this is available at greenvilleoaks.org slash hub. And any of you all can go there as well. But this card is uh, letting you know about what's going to begin on January 26th. We've been in conversations and prayer and discernment about the future vision of this church for, for several years now. And finally, it's come to the time we're excited to share with you what God is laying on the hearts of our leaders. Uh, and as we've discerned that. And so uh, what we want to ask you to do in these weeks coming up is we're going to have this series starting on the 26th. For seven weeks, we really want to make you, uh, have you make a commitment to be here on Sunday mornings as often as you can for those seven weeks, to be a part of our Bible classes as well during that time. And then also, this is for our groups. Some of you are already in Connect groups, and so you're going to be going through the material with this. And uh, so you can check that top box. I commit to participating with my Connect group for seven weeks of vision group discussions. And uh, feel free to to fill that out and turn it in. Uh, but if you're not a part of a group right now, really would encourage you for these seven weeks to come to make a commitment to be in here for service, uh, for our classes. Our elders are going to be teaching those to go into greater detail. But we really want you to be involved in discussions because this vision cannot take hold unless God gives his vision to the people of God. And we see a, a picture of where God is taking us together. So I'm really excited about what I'm going to get to share with you. Uh, But I want to encourage you, this passage in John 10, verse 10, is going to be key for us. In two weeks, I'm going to be preaching on it again. This is the center of what God's doing. And Ecclesiastes is actually a path into where God is taking us in 2020 and beyond. So fill this out if you would. Uh, And there will be people at the doors that will be collecting these on the way out. So you can just easily turn that in. And if you'll check that box, we'll be in contact with you if you have interest about a group that may fit for your time and for your needs. But I want to close this message letting you know next week there's more hope, okay? (laughs) There's good news. The author of Ecclesiastes has an incredible message at the end. But I think this message is equally important. And that is for those of you that are on that ladder who are pursuing as hard as you can meaning and success, I want to make sure you know what wall that ladder is leaning up against. Because if in the end, despair and melancholy is all those ladders can offer us, there is another way with a Lord who teaches us the best way of life possible, the abundant life that is available in Jesus. So this morning, if you want to know more about that, find our prayer leaders. Uh, You can come up and meet with me. I'd love to find a time this week to discuss that with you more and come back the next couple of weeks as we begin this conversation about all of our next steps in the abundant life. Let's pray as we close our time this morning. Father, you have been so good to us. 
we sing about the goodness of God in this church, and we also sing, God, about these things that, uh, that, that vie for our attention, these, uh, these things that are not central. And right now, this morning, we want to commit again. We want to repent again of all the ladders we have climbed, thinking that somehow those pursuits would give us what we're longing for, when what we're longing for is you longing for your path, longing for your way and your abundance. And so, God, my prayer uh, this morning is that you would lead us toward that, that you would point us away from the ladders of despair and melancholy, and you would lead us toward the good news that Jesus has offered to us, because the thief longs to steal and kill and destroy. But, God, we rebuke that, and we want to live into the full, abundant life that Jesus has for us. So would you direct our steps this week toward that, that as we trust in you with all of our hearts, We don't want to lean on our own understanding. We want to follow you, and we ask that you direct our paths as you promise. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.